Bring it in. Read option back after a long, long weekend. And uh, and I'm hanging on by a thread. And I think our man Scotty's hanging on by a thread because a lot happened this weekend. There was a lot of football that went down. And and I think for the most part, we're, we're caught up to speed. I did my homework before recording on here. I'd never bullshit you guys. But Vito was all over it. And uh, I think Scotty and I both need Vito here. And uh, all three of us are back together. First time in a couple weeks I have everyone back. So what's going on, boys? Oh, you know, just got back from the altitude of Mile High City. Mile High. Uh, I was in Denver for the first time, yeah. Uh, didn't catch the uh, the shutout that the, uh, the Broncos defense pitched, but was there watching my Giants uh, just get a, a little bit closer to clinching the division. So it's still baseball season despite all the football going on. So uh, rooting for my guys. And, uh, yeah, it was a whole lot of fun. Denver, great place to go if you haven't been there before. Nice, man. Yeah, I, I just kept it local, hung out. And uh, by local, I'm in Philly right now. Say, yeah, you're in Philly <laughs> right now. Yeah, I, so. I didn't even put two and two together until right, right now. Yeah, so I'm in Philly for a week, which is the longest I've been here in months so i'm excited and uh got to like sit down get the old setup uh james came by we watched some of the early window games just just got to like have that old football it's fall windows open and just like have some nfl college and nfl on for you know like two days straight and no interruptions and it's just a great place to be but jeff what about your weekend so we're gonna we're gonna get into some of the details of of everything in our random life shit segment uh, at the end of the pod. Uh, but yeah, I was up in Jersey, uh, as you know, from the last pod view and I did, I was recording that from Jersey, the calm before the storm, uh, as I would have called it, because that's exactly, that's exactly what it was. We, uh, I had a bunch of old friends from college flying in, uh, people coming up and we just had a, a, a bender, but it was a bender with like a group of some of my favorite people in the world and, and people that, you know, the further you get out from college, you kind of have to start almost counting the amount of times like, hey, how many times are we all going to be in the same room together again and really just take moments to sit and appreciate it? Um, you know, and for us and like my group of friends, again, we got people in Texas, we got people in Miami and Nashville, and, you know, all over the place. So it's it's tough to really do things like this. And, and I think the one thing I walk away from this weekend, despite you know, besides, I should say, being hung over now two days after after being back um, is is just how appreciative I am of that and uh, people like yourselves and, and the wonderful people that we all have in our lives. But like I said, we'll get into some of the details of that and Scotty's trip at the end of the pod because we got football to talk about a crazy weekend in college football. We'll touch on a little bit there. Clemson getting knocked off in double overtime. They have two losses. They have a ton of injuries. They are banged up, and uh, right now they're number they're twenty five in the top twenty five poll, which I think is just a testament to, you know how what Dabo's built there. Uh, but other than that, we saw Arkansas go down. Uh, or, or, sorry, we saw Arkansas pull off the upset against yeah. Texas A and M first time in nine years. The Arkansas's beaten the Aggies. They did it in Jerry's world. That Arkansas team, Sam Pittman's building, has been awesome. Uh, they're a tough, gritty, just nasty team. He embodies them perfectly. Uh, really, really fun squad to watch up there. Uh, and, and, I mean, you know, there were some other little upsets here and there. For the most part, I think 
you know, when you, when you kind of look at it, it's just college football is just in mayhem mode right now. And, you know, anything that can happen will happen. And it looks like we're actually going to have two new teams potentially at least in the uh, college football playoff this season, at least how things are going now, but it's a long season and um, there's plenty of time, but the NFL slate did not disappoint some crazy games going on. It was not like going into it. And I think Vito, you and I even talked about this on, on, on the Friday pod, you know, it, it wasn't like a, Oh my God, check out these matchups. we got all over the place, but I said it to, I said to them, it's like, whenever you have those weeks when you're like, I'm not really excited about this matchup in college football <laughs> or in the NFL. That is when all shit breaks loose. And uh, it was a great, great weekend. And Vito and I both crushed it with our bets. We are back and better than ever. Hell so yeah. where do you guys want to start here? Because I was recapping, you know, looking through the games and, and you know, I don't want to I don't want to overshadow anything because, Scotty, you're Niners on the Sunday night game. I know we normally do chronologically here, but I think that's the game we have to start with because. It was that one, or, or we can go to LA and the and Kansas City in that game, which was crazy too. But that Sunday night game, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, man, he's I, so good. I, he's so good. He's so good. Like, and I know that that is like elite covering. Uh, of <laughs> us just threw out there. He's so good. He's but, so good. But I'm sitting there, and my buddy from college, Pearson's crashed with me last night before his flight today, and. And we're watching the games and just every single throw, those back shoulder fades to Devontae Adams. And, and no matter what the cornerback is doing, no matter where you have him covered, Aaron Rodgers knows how to just layer these balls in perfectly. I just step back and obviously, you know, when, it, when a quarterback only has 37 seconds left in a game to go down and no timeouts. No timeouts, yeah. And, and does it effortlessly, you just – you just, you know, stand up and applaud. There's like nothing you could even say because it was just the two of them are as lethal of a pairing as I can remember in, in recent history. You know, I mean, Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Kelsey and stuff are in, in that same category. But if Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey had a baby, it would be Devonte Adams <laughs> because he's he is, so big yeah. and he's so fast. He's such a fusion of the both of them both. And I just think it was something crazy about that end of that drive for the Niners where everyone kind of had the same feeling of like, well, you could have maybe taken a little more time, but you're going for six. So you don't want to, you know, you don't want to tiptoe your way in the end zone. You're never going to get there. No. Um, but man, with 37, you just look and you're like, shit, it's, it's Aaron Rodgers. Like, let's see what happens, you know? And uh, what an incredible couple throws. Yeah. I, I don't understand how you're not double teaming Devonte Adams. For most of the night, but especially on a drive where you know Aaron Rodgers can win the game mm-hmm. with no timeouts. I, I don't know how you play that soft on defense. And granted, our secondary was beat up. Josh Norman went out with an injury. Uh, uh, Lenore was was playing against Devontae Adams one-on-one most of the night. He's a rookie out of Oregon. So, like, I, I just – but I don't get how you can play that soft in coverage <clears throat> when he's beating you all night underneath with soft coverage. And then when you press him, he goes over the top. So put another body on him and maybe you don't have two deep throws that put him into field goal range just like that. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a football coach. What the hell do I know? I mean, before that point, I mean, yeah, he had the touchdown. But on the last two throws, he adds another, what, like 45 yards roughly or so in just those two catches at the end. Yeah. 
finishes 132 you kept him to 10 you know 10 catches for 90 yards and only one touchdown i mean that's that's not bad considering oh, who you know who we're talking about the no, other thing is too scott is they got burnt twice uh when when they double teamed adams the mvs touchdown the 47 yeah. yarder and then the alan lazard who ends up getting tackled uh on his way down but still it's you know he had two guys with over 40 yard catches that's not a you know he's just so good like, like at this point it's he oh yeah his arm I, talent is honestly more impressive now than it was you know four or five years ago even because the touch and the feel on certain routes and, and the way that he just can read defenders from and also kind of came out it's like from 40 yards out that he's making some of these throws like you know, it's not like he's seeing the same angles that we're seeing on TV coverage, right? You know, he just – he's just so, so good. And honestly, Scott, walking away from that game as a Niners fan, I would feel great. Like, oh, yeah, does it, I does do. It, does it suck? But, like, you come out of a knockdown, drag-out, ugly-ass game against Philly last week and then go toe-to-toe with Green Bay and your boy, Jimmy G, leads a touchdown drive at the end of the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so I, I wasn't thrilled with the way he played for the majority of the game, and that turnover in the late in the fourth was was bad. Um, but you know, credit to him, he he did lead that that final drive. I guess my my big question there is because I've been thinking about this all all day is if you're if you're use check, do you do you sit around thinking shit? Maybe I should have fell down lead some time off the clock because we got two timeouts or do no. you just you're happy content getting into the end zone and hoping your defense can can win you a ball game there you can't there's there's no a he's a fullback so fullback sniffs a goal line he's you know it's like a shark seeing blood in the water right like you're just you <laughs> get that opportunity he, so rare he, especially a game winning one he's a little more cerebral than most yes. fullbacks yes. i've seen in the league, but so. i still think at the end of the day you got to get a touchdown when you need a touchdown i think yeah. it comes back to time management on the overall drive yeah, like absolutely. Uh, you're getting closer, and 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 I think that's where it is a little bit more so, less than in the final ten yards. Like if you're in within, you're trying to score a touchdown. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you need one. You can't tell a player to slide there. If you're only a field goal to win, you're down one. I get it. Like I would 100 percent run it out and yeah. kick a close range field goal, but totally different scenario. I, you can't trust getting a touchdown that late. And that's ex- and that's exactly it. You know, that's it's 100 percent it. And as a fan. Like to, to your point, Scott, it kills you because you're like, yeah, but we probably could have just snuck it in if we were down at the one, you know, like we, we probably could have. But, you know, we we all watched the Super Bowl in 2014. You know, we all we all saw Malcolm Butler do what he did. You know, there there is nothing given in this league. You have to earn it. And at that point in time, when you need a touchdown and also, again, like if I told you, Scott, like, hey, you got a you get a one point lead right now but you're beating green Bay on Sunday night football. Aaron Rodgers is down on his own 20. You got 37 seconds and no timeouts. I go, do you have a further question? I would say, I, I think, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth for me personally. I would reluctantly take that. I would take that understanding the caveat of yes, it's Aaron Rodgers and anything can happen, but if you're going to give me that situation at the end of the game, like, yeah, you'd much rather be up and not have it be close at all. But I would be like, yeah, no, I'll, I will take that. I, I, I think saying that 
almost 24 hours removed now. It, I would say that last night after you check fell into the end zone, I was like, <laughs> Oh no, there's 37 oh, seconds yeah. left. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So, yeah. I, and in any of those high pressure games, I mean, I remember the same thing, man, like in the, in the Super Bowl in 2017, like you're, you're going to give the ball back to Tom Brady with a minute and 20 seconds left. Like, yeah. no, it, it, I, I would say it, I was like, we're not winning this game. And it's and the way sometimes that, that you get lucky, you know, it's yeah. It's the way that that defense had played all night, especially in the secondary, um, a very thin secondary. And now you think of this three game stretch, the, the Packers, the, uh, the Rams and the Seahawks, um, before you hit your bye week, you got to win one. And that was, you know, the way that game was going against green Bay, that might've been the one that, that you've, could have and should have won. Um, yeah. Well, the good the good news is Seattle is looking like the same old Seattle. And also, I think Green Bay. Everything we saw in that Week One game against New Orleans, fluke. I, I, yeah, I think that I think that's just a fluke. I mean, they have this thing rolling, and they still aren't healthy on the offensive line. Which is, I mean, Bakhtiari is still yeah. going to come back at some point this year. And they played great last night too. What a great unit effort from them. Yeah, and, and even still, they end up with 100 total rushing yards between Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. It felt like they were way more dominant on the ground than that. It felt oh, like yeah. when they needed to get three or four yards, they got it every single time they needed to. And, and that's a testament. I mean, I, I joke, but, it's, you know, 25 carries for 100 yards is exactly four yards a carry. You know, it just felt like the offensive line was getting pushed against a really good Niners front. I thought the Niners played really well. And, again, like, Jimmy G had a good day. Like I, 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 yeah. I get it. Like there are certain things I like to see better, but considering that Trey Sermon and Ju- Juice was getting carries, like not just like goal line yeah. carries, he was getting like real carries, and, and I actually kind of loved yeah, it. First, honestly. second down carries too. Yeah. But you know, when, when a team like that who wants to run the ball as much as they you know want to run the ball got put in not a situation, one. it's it's a need, Jeff. They need to run the ball that much. Well, it's what Kyle Shanahan's whole MO is, is you know, yeah. and they the broadcast had a great job of kind of breaking down the dynamics between him versus LaFleur and how much one runs versus one passing and how they kept carrying them up together and all that stuff. But you know, they're throwing the ball 40 times. That's not what you think when you think of Kyle Shanahan, and y'all were in it to the end. So yeah. Uh, and I just thought it was crazy because what a what a great finish on a Sunday night game. You'll love to see that. And last week we had another great game. I hope this continues. But this wasn't even the craziest finish of the weekend. No, it wasn't. It wasn't at all. And that's, I mean, we, we, I, I guess we go, you know, probably Baltimore, Baltimore, Detroit. As, I think as we the, do. So, before, obviously, like, I think at this point, if you're listening to the pod, you probably are aware as to what happened, right? Uh, Justin Tucker hits a 66-yard field goal, hits the bottom of the crossbar, and still goes in, breaks the NFL record, walks it off the last time Justin Tucker hit or played in Detroit before this was 2013 he hit a 61 yarder for the game winner Uh, the Lions continue to be the Lions in terms of shitty officiating calls the uh, delay of game penalty that somehow didn't get called that would have put an end to the drive Uh, there was a lot going on in this game but honestly what I've taken out of this now and we can I'll let you guys go if you guys want to talk more about the Ravens and anything else is the Lions are just they're they're there to fucking compete. You yeah. Know? And I've been working on my cursing at this on, on the pod, but they're here to compete. 
Yeah, All right, they're not they're not here to mess around. And credit to Dan Campbell. You know, any other team openly talks about trying to trade away Jamie Collins, someone as talented as that. You're thinking, oh my God, there's turmoil in the locker room, blah blah. blah. But like, no, like, that works. These guys are bought into Dan Campbell, and, and shout out to uh, to Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions for three weeks in playing the Niners, playing the Ravens, and who did they play last week that they almost beat? Green Bay. And they didn't almost beat Green Bay, but the first half against them, they looked great. They, so they did. They looked a lot better. But I, I think that the conversation on the other side here, this Justin Tucker kick, because first of all, he missed his first field goal mm. to start the game. And everyone was like, whoa. Like it literally, it came on red zone, and Scott Hansen was like, I don't really know how to say this, but Justin Tucker missed a field goal. Like it was a, it was a funny moment on red zone. And then he hits four in a row, uh, including that one. And what was really great about it, they, they, kind of zoomed in and had a kicker. It wasn't McAfee, I don't think, but had, had somebody like analyzing it. And he took his regular three-step back to sidestep, like, you know, I guess a uh, walk up, you know, but from that corner, he took a hitch step back and he did a little like, like he, jump to get started. Uh, then did his run and kick. And they were yeah, showing like, like that extra hopped. little bit. Yeah. Was saw, yes, I did got see that. enough to get it over or hit the post to get it over. And yeah, I mean, I just thought that was an incredible play. I'm huge on big kicks like that. Like that, that, that will go down for me as one of the best ever um, with the Adam Venetary 45 mile an hour, like into snow at the end of uh, the 2001 AFC wildcard yeah, game. Was it, yeah. was it wild card? Yeah. Cause after that they went to, um, they played twice more, but he had, it was the tuck rule game, the infamous yeah. tuck rule game. And so like, I don't know, man, for me, this is one of the, those all time NFL plays. It, it so happens to be special teams, but we had one of those and we, and we had another one later that we'll get to as well. It was, it was a wild finish to a game that shouldn't, the Ravens are not at a point where they should be, they should be losing or even being close to losing games like this. No, and they, again, no they, credit taken away from Detroit at all. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, give deep, uh, Detroit's defense credit. After losing Jeff Okuda to, mm. to shut down the, the little passing game that they have and then hold Lamar Jackson to 58 yards, that's insane. Like, good for them. I, I do think, yeah, I do think that's what's scary for the Ravens, though, is that you went on the last second field goal. I was watching Nick Saban's A Football Life, and he always talked about this and, like, all his teams that end up losing in, like, playoffs or championships or whatever. He's always like, we, we win – off some magic stuff that no one wants to focus on all the stuff we did wrong, you know? And this is a perfect example. Like the Ravens really do need to look internally though. Like this is not, this should not feel like a win. And it feels like an amazing win, but the players need to act like it's a loss when they get back to work. Cause it, they have a lot of shit to clean up. Yeah. And, and also when we see what happened with the chiefs yesterday, it makes that win on Sunday night seem a little less, you know, not legit, but it makes it seem a little less impressive as it was before. And you're absolutely right. Vito, it, this is a win in the column, but it's a it, you treat this week like, hey, we just we just lost. We just lost to the Detroit Lions. Great job pulling it out. We we barely skipped by, but we got to go to work. And the problem with the Ravens has been the same thing since Lamar has burst out into the scene. The scene, which is that they don't have people who can catch the damn football, dude. Hollywood Brown. By, oh my God, it was dropped so bad. three touchdowns. It was yeah, so after two two really good weeks, and then how many how many balls did he drop on uh, and, on Sunday? And I he's he I don't really know a comp for him. 
he's obviously an unbelievable athlete, but he's, he's running injured. open. He's getting the separation. You're right. It's hitting him in the hands. Like he has all of the steps down the route, running the speed, everything you want. And then all of a sudden, like he just can't finish the catch. And you know what the worst part about it is, is all three of those drops came from Lamar passing out of the pocket and the narrative yeah. about Lamar not being able to throw out of the pocket, which is well-documented. It's like the last two years, it's been the number one thing he works on is working being comfortable throwing out of the pocket because it just makes his running attack in games like in that Kansas City game where you just need Lamar to go off. It makes it that much more difficult to defend him. Drops like that not only hurt, obviously, the team and Hollywood Brown, but they they hurt Lamar in this narrative that just gets lazily thrown out there more and more where it's like, well, he could have thrown for three deep touchdowns. I mean, two of them were on the same drive, so I guess two. But still, he could have had two touchdowns from, from, from the pocket on deep balls. And he's just still not having that wide receiver help. Maybe Rashad Bateman coming back is going to help, but that's a lot to ask out of a rookie wide receiver who missed all of training camp and is missed now the first three weeks of the season. Mm-hmm. I, I like Baltimore, but I will never, I will never be in that Baltimore camp until they get people around Lamar that can really help them. And, and to me, as much as they know their identity is Lamar, Lamar is pretty ambiguous. It's he, he's hard to put into a singular box. Cause I do think he can do good things out of the pocket. And obviously we see what he does against Kansas city last weekend. And it's this juxtaposition of like, what the hell is this guy other than extremely talented? And I think that's all you can kind of have. And so as much of the identity for Baltimore is we're going to run the ball, we're going to be into Atlanta uh, analytics, we're going to do all these creative things. This still feels like a team that doesn't have an identity because of the way that it was constructed to help the guy that the identity is based around. Does that make sense? Kind of. I think they had their identity, though. It's just they've the, been the number one running team for so long. I, I just think that this year with the running back losses, all the talent to support Lamar was at, like, the tight end position and at the running back position. And, like, I think right now what we're seeing is that without that running back, multiple layers of that running back depth, it's uh, uh, too much is falling on him, and he's having to do things in both the run and passing game. And like you said, usually – if you pick one or he can pick one on a third down, it's, it's more advantageous, but now everyone's going to key off and load the box and he's going to be thrown against, he's going to be throwing one-on-one coverage all the time. So Marquise Brown better figure this shit out because he's going to have a lot of opportunities all season. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like you said, like he, he's getting open. The hard part is getting open. <laughs> just catch the damn ball, dude. Like at, at this point, just catch the damn ball. Also want to, I really want to give a shout out here to, when the Matt Stafford trade happened, the stock on Jared Goff plummeted to a level that I felt at the time was a little over-exaggerated, but I think is even more so than I thought. Because Jared Goff, though, he hasn't been incredible. You know, so much of, well, Jared Goff only got to a Super Bowl because it was Sean McVay's offense. You know, Jared Goff was only a productive quarterback in the NFL because he was Sean McVay's offense. Jared Goff's been pretty good. He's been pretty, pretty good for Detroit. He hasn't been great. But if I said to you right now, hey, you can have Jared Goff or Kirk Cousins. Or, I'm saying Kirk Cousins there, but it's close. But I it's close. I, it's a I different think I would, thought for sure. Because I would have put him in the bottom. I always think of the – because the NFL, like, we have uh, 32 teams. So I just think of, like, four sets of eight almost. Like, division. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just kind of go through – and like he's, I would have put him in the bottom category or like, and he's without a doubt in one of the middle ones, you know? Yeah. I think, I think he's in that like 17. I've underrated him. Yeah, yeah. I can, I can admit that. I definitely thought I was one of those people. Cause when I saw him trade, I'm like, 
I don't know, man. And he's like, even, even in that game proved us wrong. Just his toughness and how he, he can make some throws in some weird positions. He does not need his feet set as much as I thought he did. Yeah. I mean, look, was it spectacular? No. 22 of 30 for 217 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Is he going to go out there and, and win you games? Maybe a couple times a year. You know, I think he has that in him. We saw him do it against the Chiefs on that Monday night game, you know, a few years ago. Uh, but again, like putting him in a more traditional offense with the running game that he would have with Dalvin Cook and Minnesota with those wide receivers, I don't think there would be a huge drop off between what we see from Jared Goff and what we're seeing right now from Kirk Cousins either. I would agree. So, so I, I just think I, I wanted to point that out because everyone like all of a sudden penciled in Jared Goff as like QB 32 you know, in the NFL. And, and now what we've seen how much these rookie quarterbacks are struggling and everyone else. I think, I think Jared, as the kids say, Jared Goff deserves his flowers, uh, at least to, to, to some degree. Uh, but speaking of over and underrating quarterbacks um, and, and kind of the, the perception media wise, I've noticed a, a slight change in how people are talking about Patrick Mahomes. And this, this, is, this happens to every star athlete who comes on and has that universal approval rating, right? Happened to Steph Curry. It's happened to LeBron. It's happened to KD. It's happened to every single one of them. But eventually, and we're at the very, very beginning stages of it, but eventually the public perception starts to kind of turn, right? Where it's he's no longer the wonder kid. He's instead, you know, Oh, he's insanely mortal. talented, but yeah, maybe he's a little more mortal than we thought. Well, well said, Scotty, right? The interception thrown against Baltimore, people are like, oh, here's Patrick Mahomes trying to do everything again, and it cost him the game against Baltimore. And yesterday, too, the no-look, you know, it passed. That also hit his wide receiver yeah. dead in the hands, which yeah. wasn't his fault at all. But you turn on ESPN, you turn on – I was watching NFL Live in the studio today. They weren't showing – you know, they were, it was two shots. They were showing – the no look pass of Patrick Mahomes looking one direction and the ball coming out the other. And then they were showing the cornerback laying out to catch the ball. They were not showing the tip in between. And I loved when Danny Cannell used to have the soundboard. We'd be like liberal media. Like right. that's exactly. And it's just one of those moments where it's like, God damn it guys. Like, yeah. Why are you doing that? Cause it's, you're right. People are using pieces to create a narrative around a conversation. But I think we just talk about the game real quick too, because this chiefs chargers game, like, Yes, the narrative is going to change, but that's because I think we said it before, like Patrick Mahomes is one of those guys that doesn't lose often back to back. I don't know when he has before. Like, and, and I think it was the first time he's lost back to back games. Yeah. And, and so like that was just unique, but like he did not play his best game again. We haven't seen him have a two game quote unquote slump, but you're right. It wasn't like he didn't play well enough to to win a normal game. I think what you saw is that a lot of his skill players didn't necessarily help him. They had some penalties that were very untimely for like actual drives. And then on the defensive side, uh, well, I wouldn't even say defensive on the flip side the other pairing, Justin Herbert is for fucking real. I mean, mm -hmm. so and Mike Williams too, dude, Mike, Mike Williams had two drops. So I was watching the game. Mike Williams has two drops on this drive. Right. And then they just go to him the next drive and he has two incredible catches and you're like, okay, it was back to the Marquise Brown thing. Like what's going on here? And he turned it on and just, and just ended up elevating his team to win that game. And just the balls to go for it on that fourth down and just like, no, we're, we're going to run this whole game out. We're not giving the ball back to Mahomes. That's what I love about like 
an AFC West battle or any divisional battle. You're like, I know this guy. I've seen this guy score on this team way too many times, even for a first year coach. Like we're not doing that. We're going to go win. Yeah. It was fourth and four. And you're like, we could settle for the touchdown and we'd be up one or, you know, and then a field goal wins it for them or we go for it on a fourth and four on, on their 30. And if you know, you have a chance to win the game and they, I love that play call. And, you know, I said this about Justin Herbert and Mike Williams a couple of times this year. And I said to both of you guys, if that tandem is real, knowing the reliability you have in Keenan Allen and how good Keenan Allen is on a, on a week in week out basis, this team's going to be really dangerous. And, and what did I, what did I say to you, Vito, when we were talking about this on, on uh, Friday's pod, right? I said, Brandon Staley is going to have some wrinkles. Brandon, this is the first time Mahomes yeah. is going up against Brandon Staley. And I think Brandon Staley's fingerprints were all over this game. I mean, the defense for the Chargers played really, really well. You know, it was like you'd still see glimpses of Kansas City that we, you know, we're, we become accustomed to seeing. But with that defense in Kansas City being as bad as it is, I had, a, I had, you know, not to pat myself on the back a little bit, but I was pretty damn good. All right. I was all yeah, over there. You're close. I like right. that. I, I had I had the Chargers covering in my pick, but I also said, hey, this this is a this is a game that they could absolutely win. I was surprised to see kind of what ended up happening with Mahomes and everything, and and this kind of turnout. The turnovers killed them. You know, would they have two fumbles, two two interceptions? I mean, you can't turn the ball over that many times in an NFL game. But I think this Chargers team is is very very legit. And this, they're going to just be a fun watch. Uh, and Austin Eckler, you know, he, he another guy, man. I mean, talk about scrimmage yards and everything he can do. The fantasy payout. He was a big sleeper for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I just, I sit here and I just love watching Justin Herbert play. And one of the weird things that Kansas City did a lot of, and we talked about this a lot in the preseason, was, and, and Scotty, I know you love bringing this up too. Herbert was the number one quarterback against the Blitz last year. And they blitzed him a ton yesterday he still ends up with three touchdown passes against the blitz so maybe we shouldn't be blitzing justin <laughs> herbert but i think kansas city, i think kansas city's defense just is bad yeah I they knew the, they had to like i, I think feel like that was had, the only chance exactly they had to find a way to make pressure um but going back to the first thing i was kind of talking about here with kansas city is and, and specifically with mahomes is I, you know what we're seeing with herbert right now and this, oh, my God, this kid's amazing. Look at the arm and this gets the blitz. This is all the same stuff we said about Mahomes. And when you're winning and it's new and it's exciting, the no-look pass, right, all that stuff is amazing. It's like this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. But as soon as, you know, even tipped interceptions, you know, they start coming up, people would turn on you a lot quicker than they, you know, and they probably should because Patrick Mahomes is still going to be out there. It's just I'm curious – I'm always curious when people ha- are like universally loved in sports, you know, how, well, how quickly will that heel turn? Cause it will, it always has, and it, it, it will continue uh, to, to do so here. The yeah, last clue to go against the grain, you know? Yeah, no question. No question. The last really good game we had in terms of back and forth craziness was the four o'clock game Raiders dolphins Dude. Ra- Raiders, perf- you know, improved to three and oh, Jacoby Brissett filling in looked great. The the QB sneak there at, at the end. It wasn't even QB sneak. It was just like a it was a pass play that he just tucked it and run and ran, mm-hmm. got into the end zone. Uh, that was a, a an electrifying game, and it ended a little bit anticlimactically. But 
You were on Vito's uh, OT OT watch. I had, oh, yeah. I had Tyler, man. Tyler's were going off in the phone. Um, yeah, man, it was it was pretty wild there. I was getting texts from from listeners of the pod being like, yo, is this we got Tyler got Tyler like people are, people are invested in you getting shit faced on a Sunday <laughs> night because there's a tie in NFL football. Well, the best part is you got to understand the situation, right? I, this is the first weekend I've been home. You guys know I've been on the run in the last like month or two or the whole summer. I don't know. So I, I was like the first time like, man, I really had a chill weekend. I didn't drink Saturday. I didn't even drink Sunday. I had a beer or two. Actually, I had mimosas too. Anyway, whatever. Point is, is that like I'm chilling, not going too crazy. And then all of a sudden we go to overtime. And then there's a field goal. Okay. Like this is, has all the makings of overtime tie and then go down another field goal. I'm like, Oh shit. Now we just need a longer drive with a late turnover or a missed field goal. And they go down and kick it. But you got to understand, dude, it, the, the nerves that go through your body when you're like, I know I'm about to like have to go absolutely off and I don't want to, but it's like, a, I can't not do it. It's almost like a contract. So like, it, it just was one of the weird feelings. Plus it was the Raiders and I really wanted them to, to have a tie. Like, cause for everyone that doesn't know, uh, a tie is not half of a win, right? Two ties equal a win, but half a tie is not half a win. It counts as nothing. So mm-hmm. it's almost like a loss. So I really wanted the Raiders to have a pseudo loss on their record uh, just for divisional sake. Yeah. And and I would have loved all of this, but of course they kick it and make it. And, uh, you know, it, it was a relief. And I was also pissed at the same time. Because sometimes it, it is fun to go off and have this crazy special celebration with your friends. But it's also just, man, I had it was the end of our fiscal year this to this morning or like on the end of this month. I had all these reports and like huge meetings. And I was like, man, if I'm if I'm post tie in those, it would have been rough. So uh, it was it was a shaky afternoon there for a little while. Break down if you could for us, because I'm sure Scotty would be interested in knowing as well. Percentage of you that didn't want that to be a tie versus percentage of you that low key kind of you really wanted to kind of go off on this like random Sunday bender. It was probably I dressed all that up, but honestly, it's probably like 70 percent of me wanted them to be a tie. 30% 30% was like, I probably shouldn't. I have all these responsibilities, adult thing, adult thing, adult thing. Um, but you know, football overrides everything, man, in my life. And if it was a tie, I would have without a doubt, at least called everyone in the morning and said like, Hey, we're canceling these morning meetings. Um, we're pushing everything back because I'm about to have a fucking night. <laughs> so aside for all tie talk aside, cause I, I cannot wait for the first Monday pod after a tie this year. Oh. Uh, when, when we get you in in the re- hopefully recovered state Monday evening, um, or at least make you like call in for a segment if you really can't do a full pod. I'll do it. I'll it do. I'll actually probably get on live. That's what we'll do. I'll, I'll get say, yeah, maybe we just need to re-record it. You know, or we'll just we'll record it and we'll do some time traveling on on Sunday night. We'll throw it in there. Uh, Love it. From a football perspective, though, I do have yeah. uh, two. Two things mainly from this game, and both are quarterback related, but two very different situations. First off, is Derek Carr good? Do we have Apparently. to say? Do we have to say it now? I mean, I, I think so. <laughs> I mean, uh, what, the turnaround that he's exhibited to me. I mean, credit to to John Gruden for believing in him. Um, you know, but just even mechanically, like he looks so much better this year than he has his entire NFL career. Um, he's just been serviceable, you know, enough 
to get to uh to here and now all of a sudden he he looks like the second coming of uh uh like uh i don't know peyton manning he's uh, like up fourth on the list so uh, no, but I, yeah i it's just it, go ahead, it, well no it was crazy to watch because he looked good first of all like what i test like he looked good but second of all think about this through three weeks the Raiders are the number one offense in the NFL and number one pass wow. offense in the NFL over Tampa by 30 yards per game, which is no joke. That's a huge jump from Tom Brady and, and that's above the Cardinal, everyone else. Like the Raiders are the number one offense and majority is because of passing the number one passing offense. So and they're scoring 30 points a game. Like, yeah, he's good. He's playing well, at least, right? Like yeah. things change, but yeah, like, damn. It's a great start for him. I mean, he's he's completing 64% of his passes, leading the league in passing yards, 1,203 passing yards. The next highest is a little over 1,000 with Tom Brady. Six touchdowns to two interceptions, 101 QB rating, and he's averaging over 8.8 yards per attempt. His career was 7.1. And so he's pushing the ball down the field more than we've seen in, in years past, which is always kind of the knock against Derek Carr was he just doesn't like to throw the ball deep. We mm-hmm. saw flashes of it last year where it's like, oh, look at Derek Carr is kind of pushing the ball a little bit deeper. This year, he's not afraid to sling, especially those deep out routes, those deep corner routes, even deep crossers with with uh, Waller, because when you have a healthy rugs, they have and uh, Brian Edwards as well, they have two guys who can take the top off the defense. And they're incredibly difficult to guard against, to cover against. Now, I'm really excited for the first time that we get a Chargers versus Raiders matchup. That, that to me, like that will be hopefully yeah, Monday night next week, right? It's a, it's a Monday night next week. Um, yeah. That game should be really, really entertaining. But at this point, we can't call it a fluke yet because it's only it's only been three games. So, like me, I've been saying this all season. I'm I'm not ready to say that Derek Carr, the Raiders, that they are as good as what we've seen. But they've beaten three good defensive teams. You know, and they they beat a good Baltimore team in overtime week one, Monday night. They beat a good defense, but bad team, we think at least, in Pittsburgh against the Steelers. And now they beat Miami in overtime. Two wins, two overtime wins, either one of those, one mistake in either one of those games or a T.G. Watt injury, and we could be talking about the Raiders as electric offense, but they're 0-3 somehow. You know, and definitely realistic to say that they're 1-2, but they're finding ways to win games. So how long can they hold on to this magic? I don't know. The other side of this game, and the other quarterback question I have for you guys, is Jacoby Brissett looked better in this game than Tua has in the first two games. And I get it, again, small sample sizes. But they trusted Jacoby Brissett to throw the ball almost 50 times. Finishes with uh, 32 of 49 for 215. They were okay running the ball. I mean, Jacoby Brissett alone had like 40 yards rushing. But I didn't see a huge difference one way or the other between Jacoby Brissett and Tua. And it's only increasing my concern for what Tua is as a, you know, as a quarterback in this league. I think it's tough, especially this early, like you're saying, small sample size, but I'm, I'm off the two a train. I just think that I haven't seen it. I don't know. You, you know it when you see it, but um, it's also early in his career and he's battling these nagging injuries. That could be the difference maker in his career. I think what you really need to do is let Brissett own this offense for, you know, 
however long, at least three weeks, they said now he's on IR. So it's going to be a little while, but like, let him own it. See what he does. I don't think we need to talk about how well he has to do in order to keep his job, all that stuff. But like, let's see what happens and let's see when Tua comes back healthy. And when the team thinks he's healthy, that that'll be interesting to see where that, where that actual Dolphins team ranks and like, how are they still performing? Yeah, but are you going to keep throwing to it? The problem to has had his entire career is injuries and he's injured because he's small. Like, and he looks small on that field. I don't think he's prepared for the speed of the NFL game. I think that's why he's ended up with so many injuries uh, just in the NFL. I'm not even talking about the big one in college. So uh, how often do you keep throwing him out there to the wolves and, and seeing if something sticks? Well, I mean, the, that's his job. He's getting paid millions for it. He goes up yeah. to the wolves because he wants to. Like, I, I don't think two is sitting there saying, don't play me. I might get hurt. You're right. Well, yeah. But like, but I think so if you're Miami, it's also, it's like, trying to you, justify you, taking that guy over Justin Herbert. You know, mm-hmm. it's trying to be like, hey, we we invested the sixth overall pick in you. And there were a lot of teams that were not going to – the Tua was off of their board because of the concerns over the hip injury in college. And the NFL injuries, they actually don't bother me. This, to me, all goes back to the hip injury in college because it's – again, there's only been a handful of players that have had the kind of injury, catastrophic injury, that Tua had in 20 was a 2019 Tua just hasn't looked like that guy since the quick release getting the ball out the layering all the little detailed stuff that he was so good you know and all you have to do is look at walking in into the national championship game against Georgia on third on second and 26 looking the safety off and then throwing a 35 yard touchdown pass to Devontae Smith to win the national championship in overtime right all of that little stuff the way he manipulated the, the safeties with his eyes I think part of you, what you're saying is right, Scott. I do think the speed is hurting him, but I think it's because he was never fully healthy coming back from the injury, and he probably should not have played at all last year. And now, you know, that decision, rush, kind of rushing him back, the fact that he was playing less than a year from having that kind of catastrophic injury, it's concerning. But I think right now what, what we're seeing from Miami is, hey, you can hang with good teams with Jacoby Brissett, let Tua get healthy. And when he's good, let's let's see what happens. Because at this point, there is not going to be a Ryan Fitzpatrick versus Tua conversation with Jacoby Brissett. But there is an argument to be made that they might be better off starting Jacoby Brissett for the rest of the season. Not saying that that's what they should do, but I think there's – if you're just talking about, like, hey, you can win nine games, you can win six games with Jacoby versus Tua, I do think that's true. Um, all right, let's switch gears – that's those are like the the games that were like really entertaining games. So some of these ones were a little bit bigger blots. Obviously the Thursday night game, Carolina looked great. Uh, little bang up injury for Christian McCaffrey, but we're continuing to see Sam Darnold, you know, improve and and, and look like a legit guy here. How about uh, that defense, yeah, and the Carolina defense uh, who who looks spectacular. Uh, Scotty, you said something when we hopped on the Zoom before we were recording. And I loved Vito's response to it. And I, I want to get into it here. You said, guys, Josh Allen is back. To which Vito said. He never was gone. Never was gone. Now, it's amazing in just how much things can change in three weeks, right? Because we weren't feeling that way after the Pittsburgh game on, on in week one. And now we're seeing what Pittsburgh looks like now, especially without T.J. Yeah. Watt. And we're going like, man, like. 
Josh Allen really didn't kind of really kind of struggle, but here we are two weeks in a row, 30 point win or 22 point win here against the Washington football team, 35, nothing last week against the Miami dolphins. I'm kind of with you. I don't think Josh Allen was ever gone, but Holy crap. Did he look good on uh, on Sunday against Washington? Man, I'll tell you what, I mean, he, he slung the ball like a true pro. You always forget how fast he is. I think they should have said he has like the second most rushing touchdown or third most rushing touchdowns by like any quarterback this far into his career, you know, like he's mm-hmm. up there on the all time list there. It's like him and Cam um, Newton, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was it. And, and so like, it's just wild to see, I mean, four touchdowns, another one rushing 350 yards, no picks. He was a true pro. And against this Washington football team defense that I think we all, We've discussed a little bit, Jeff. You said it like, are they really who we thought they were? Like yeah. kind of that. I was, whole... I was dead wrong. At least through three weeks. Yeah, I am too. And it's, it's shocking to see because they got torched. They got absolutely torched. And it wasn't, it wasn't just that. I mean, Zach Moss ran the ball. Well, um, mm-hmm. he, he averaged over 4.5 a carry. Like it, it was, it was a whole team win. So it wasn't, it wasn't just uh, oh they they threw it over all these great defenders and there's a secondary bust like no they they methodically moved through all the stages of that defense. I was really impressed with Buffalo, and you know this was the version of Buffalo in all facets. And you you actually said there was going to be my next point, which is they're running the ball as much as they need to. They're not they're not dominating it. They're they're definitely like Brian Dable like he's not going to be a running play caller he's just it's not who he is it's not his makeup they're gonna throw the ball 43 times in a game but they win by over three touchdowns you know like that's the kind of team that they are you add you know the one big Antonio Gibson catch and run for the 70 yard touchdown which is a sick play uh Tyler Henneke you know runs one in there but for the most part I mean this game was more of a blowout than the score even indicates I would agree and if this is the version of Buffalo, which I understand the Washington football team hasn't looked great defensively, I still don't think they're this bad. I think this is more of a testament to what we're going to be seeing more and more out of the Buffalo Bills because it seems like they got something rolling here. Now I'm with you 100%. I think this game was was a this was one that we definitely um, you, you get up to look about and talk about, and you're like Josh Allen, like man, he just went off, and there was no answer. And like sometimes when a quarterback that good gets that hot, there is no answer. Eight different wide receivers caught a pass. That's crazy. That's insane. Emmanuel Sanders is back. How about that? Yeah, I know. I, I love that. <laughs> yes. I, I, I absolutely love that. I, he was a late stash on my fantasy bench. Uh, I almost threw him in at the last second, knowing that uh, Daryl Henderson was going to be out, decided not to. And he ends up, you know, two touchdowns, five catches for 94 yards. But, if they're, if they're able to keep teams honest with the run game, and not just Josh Allen. Josh Allen only ran the ball four times, right? So this isn't scramble running around Josh Allen like we've seen in the past. This is design runs putting up decent numbers. You know, that's all, that's yep. all it is. And, and that's honestly, that's all you really need at this point in time. That, that is all you really need to, uh, to make this, you know, this Buffalo team as scary as they seem to be looking. Uh, the other, I guess, matchup, it, it wasn't a close game, but it was – the game of the weekend going into it was the the Bucks and the Rams. You know, Tam- yeah. Tampa Bay and I and Vito, you and I talked about this going into it. I was like, Tampa Bay's looked good, but they've also looked beatable. And I would say the same for the Rams. The Rams have looked good, but they've also have looked beatable. 
And I think what we saw here are two teams that I absolutely think we're going to be saying, seeing play again come January. And I hope we do, because by the time we get to that point with Stafford getting the full season, Brady getting the full, everyone's locked in here. And again, barring injury, th- these are two teams that match up really well. I was just blown away by how dominant the Rams defense looked at certain points during this game. It was incredible. They played almost a perfect game. The Rams did like, this is a great bucks team. They're playing. It really, really is. And I think people need to understand like the bucks played pretty well too. Um, Brady had over 400 yards passing. He had a touchdown, no picks. Like it wasn't there. There weren't these massive turnovers. Like this was at least a a pretty well-played game. Um, It's just that the Rams played it better. Like Stafford Mm -hmm. in it with four tutties, 340 yards. Like he, he crushed it. And I think when you look at it, it came down third down, Um, you know, the Bucks, a typical third down percentage. If you say you could get fifty percent, that's that's actually pretty good. Um, like on a season, that's that's pretty good. Um, so the Rams had, or I'm sorry, the Bucks had just under fifty percent. Meanwhile, the Rams had a sixty six percent third down conversion percentage. So they were just converting on third, getting it done, and and moving the chains. Um, well. Actually, Tampa Bay had more first downs, but long, long story short, that's on first and second. When you get to third, you need to extend the drive. And they did a better job of that as well as just having those explosive plays on defense, like you're saying, to keep the crowd in it, keep the whole team motivated. Like that was a that was a crazy environment there, too. Um, it was pretty cool to see. And I think that's good for California. I mean, Scott, you know, to, to not have the morning game, obviously, they usually don't, but like to be in that four o'clock window. And to have the Bucks coming in, that's something LA will get up for. And uh, it was pretty cool to see that whole stadium rocking. Yeah, and the crazy part to me too on on the Rams offense is that the first couple of weeks all we saw was Matt Stafford throwing deep balls. Well, now he's doing it against probably the toughest defense he's played all year uh, on on all three levels. Right, he's making the smart dump offs. He's doing. He's getting. Uh, he's hitting guys like Robert Woods over the middle on levels routes and, and, and all the other weapons they have in that offense. And then, Oh, by the way, you got Cooper cup who can still go deep, take the top off and Matt Stafford could get it there. No problem. So uh, that's scary. And, and that defense clicking against that offensive line is, but probably even scarier. Um, so uh, these two games that the, that my Niners have to play against, we're going to be tough. So I'm not looking forward to any of that. It's going to be fun though. Cause you get that extra juice of, Hey, it's a, it's a rivalry game. It's a divisional game. Uh, Matt Stafford it, through three games looks like he has a complete grasp on this offense already, which is, which is really scary because we have not seen a noticeable drop off in the defense of, of the Rams which I thought there would be with Brandon Staley leaving, but they still look right because you have game records. You have Jalen Ramsey, a guy who has a game-sealing interception last week. You have Aaron Donald, who's still just, again, the the best defensive player of our lifetime. He may be the best player outside of Brady, I guess. Because we've also been here. But, yeah, Yeah. non-quarterback, he's definitely the best non-quarterback we've seen in our lifetime. I, he's the he's when you hear people talk about watching prime Lawrence Taylor prime Reggie white. It's just ridiculous, man. The way he throws other grown men, not just other grown men, but other professional athletes who outweigh him by a lot of times, 30 <laughs> or 40 pounds. And he's just, just get out of here. He's like swatting flies, man. But the big 
jump here is a guy that we all have seen flashes of is Cooper Cup. Oh my God, man. Because he the, is the connection. The, it, he's right now, he's leading the league in receiving yards. He's got 367 receiving yards. He's averaging 122 yards per game. He's got five touchdowns. Gronk is next with four. Mike Williams after that with four as well. But it's not like he's break. He's not like he's broken off these massive plays. It's just it's consistency. You know, uh, receptions right now. He's tied for the lead with Devontae Adams with 25. He's and- catching a lot of balls. He's getting a lot of yards after the catch. He's scoring touchdowns in the red zone. He's doing everything you want out of a top number one guy. And a lot of it has to do with the relationship between he and Matt Stafford and just the way that they've gelled immediately. It reminds me a lot of what we saw with Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen. Like to Ooh, me, it's yeah. like two people meet up and instantly you're like, and I think it's the same thing is going to happen. Stefan Diggs led the NFL in receiving yards. And I think it's going to happen again here because I really don't see how maybe it was receptions or yards by receiver, but either way he crushed it and, and, was for a long time the number one wide receiver in fantasy. I think that's what we're going to see with Cooper Cup because it's just a matchup nightmare. And when you have a guy like Stafford who can fit the ball in anywhere, he has the arm strength and the knowledge of when to throw it and a feel yeah. for this offense, it's going to be scary. And it takes something special like that to, to take down this Bucks defense and this whole team. And, and Brady, I know I alluded to this last week when I made the picks in a little bit earlier, but this is only the, the 12th time Brady has lost back-to-back games in his career that's incredible i mean i guess this would be the 13th but that is insane to think about when you're talking about a guy who's played for 20 years in the nfl wow brady and mahomes lose back-to-back games in the same week how about that yeah that's crazy another great time i'm trying to find time of possession here and i can't find it but i i was curious about it because the other aspect of this win for the rams that is really telling uh, to me it was about even 29 50 to 30 10 about as even as it gets there we go so the reason I wanted to I wanted to look for that was because the Rams did this without really having to run the ball. You know, no Daryl Henderson. They're holding him out for injury. Sony Michelle ends up with 20 carries for just about 70 yards. That's all they needed. You know, and again, it goes back to this. Hey, if you're completing short passes, screen passes, bubble screens, quick passes to guys like Robert Woods, then you don't need to run the ball great. You just need to be able to run it pretty well. And so far the most consistent thing we've seen from the Rams has been the fact that their running game in all three games this year has been that it's been efficient runs enough to move the chains when you need to not turning the ball over, not fumbling. And when you get around the goal line, get ready for a couple of handoffs, get ready to potentially punch one in. Cause that's going to be your time to shine. Otherwise this passing offense is just going to be Matthew Stafford making correct decisions. I just can't get over how efficient Matt Stafford was 27 of 38. You throw the ball 40 times and yet you're still completing over 70% of your passes. That is remarkable efficiency. When you also then throw in, you know, four passing touchdowns and no interceptions on top of that, the Rams are, are right now. I think they're the team to beat after we, cause we've seen it, but it's also still so early in the season that I'm not ready to put that crown onto one team, but in the NFC, I think the Rams might be the team to beat because they are the most well-rounded team in the NFL as we currently stand now through through three weeks. I agree. And, and one more stat to throw in there. Matt Stafford right now, all of that added up. He's leading the league in QBR. Wow. So um, and he's top five well in pass deserved. yards, I think, too. 
Uh, he, he definitely is. He's on that 942. So he's number five. Look at you yeah. knowing your week to week stats, Jeff. Hey, man. I t- say, so, hey, if I if I couldn't sit down to watch the one o'clock games in their entirety, I went back and rewatched all the, the condensed games. I went back and did my my notes. Like I said, I have a commitment to the people, the listeners of the read option to uh, to make sure that I'm doing my job. Uh, Cause they're, you know, they're spending time listening to us. So you got to make sure you're, you know, taking, taking care of your people. Um, we can re- move through some of these other games uh, mm-hmm. uh, because I, at that point, I mean, those are our big names, our big teams. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to do that, finish out the rest of week three, talk a little bit of college football there at the end. And then we will, uh, we'll do our random life stuff and get you guys going here on a, uh, on a little Tuesday morning pot. So I want to take a little bit of time now to, to talk about the rookie quarterbacks because this is a bad weekend for rookie quarterbacks in the NFL. And with the exception of Trey Lance, I know Scotty's making a face at us right now. So what about my guy, Trey Lance? <laughs> he ran in a touchdown. We saw him score on Sunday Night Football. My guy's doing great. And I think I actually do like Trey Lance. I think Trey Lance is going to be awesome. But for those who were full-time starting on Sunday, it was a rough day. It was a rough day. Now, I'll ask you both this. Which quarterback at this point in time has had the roughest three weeks as starters in the NFL? Because, like, I kind of want to go through and, like, power rank them a little bit based off of what we've seen. Because, again, we're only three weeks in. So this is all going to be super volatile. And as the season goes, we can kind of adjust our, like, power rankings because we are sports media after all. And if – you're in sports media, you're legally required to power rank things. Yeah. I think that's the job. Um, so I can tell you the worst is probably going to be Zach Wilson. Yeah. Um, I, I think going from the bottom up will be easier than top down. Yeah. <laughs> with rookies. Yeah. Um, Number five. Yeah, there it is. Zach Wilson and his zero touchdown passes and however many picks he has. Seven. Seven? Jesus seven. Well, so, but, and him, the thing with him is that he's not even set up for success. That's right? the, that's like, the hard part. Like, I think above that you have a couple of these other guys, but like for me, Trevor Lawrence, I'm always going to rate him higher than even he probably should be because of the talent. Like, I don't think Zach Wilson is there. The weird one for me is Mac Jones and how he looked this week. Cause mm-hmm. you're right. It was a bad week for all rookie quarterbacks, including Mac Jones. And he threw a couple picks and that was, you know, a big difference in the game, but Mac Jones had a rough either. Sunday. Yeah. He, he had a rough Sunday, three picks. I'm sorry. And, and I think the, the thing with Mac Jones too, is you're not seeing any of the glimpses of like hope, you know, like I, like I've seen Trevor Lawrence make some incredible throws this season. And that's why like out of the crew, the only one that I'm really not worried about is Trevor Lawrence, even though he's thrown the seven interceptions. And I think he only has, I think he's got four touchdown passes to seven interceptions or whatever it is. There's a certain comfortableness. There's a certain speed at which he's processing things. Is he making dumb rookie decisions? Yes. He's made several of them, but also like the Patrick Sertan pick. I'm not holding that against Trevor Lawrence. It's an unbelievable catch. The fact that Patrick Sertan kept his feet in bounds last week at all is remarkable. If anything, Trevor yeah, Lawrence did what you're supposed to do, which is throw it to the sidelines. And if it's, you know, put it in a spot where only one guy can make the catch. And Patrick Sertan just made an unbelievable play on the ball. I've seen Trevor Lawrence do the things that make me go, all right, he's struggling. He's on a bad team. But you know what? I, I, I'm seeing it. Zach Wilson looks lost and afraid. 
you know, he was like, I'm going to be gunslinger just like I was in college his first two weeks. So then this week it was like, I'm terrified to throw another interception. I'm just going to take the sack. And he was getting eaten alive out there. Mac Jones, it's been game manager or really bad. And that's kind of all we've seen. We haven't seen the, oh, look at this fade route that he threw in the preseason that everybody drooled over and how great Mac Jones is going to be. We haven't seen any of that from him. We've just seen very cautious basic things, which gives me hope that, you know, he's still going to come around to it. He's going to have bad games too, but Zach Wilson looks like he's in some serious trouble. And then, you know, Justin Fields, he gets sacked nine times in a game. And and the biggest reason I'm worried about Justin Fields is that organization. Yeah. What he's been taught, the offense that they're using him in, they're trying to use him like Andy Dalton, but like they're refusing to try anything. And now Matt Nagy came out today and said that there is, a, a basically a, a three-way tie as to who's going to be the starting quarterback next week, including Nick Foles. Nick Foles is oh back in God. the conversation. This guy is trying to lose his job at this point. <laughs> I mean, I think that's why when you talk about just pure quarterback player, how they will be, I go from bottom up, Wilson, then Mac Jones, then I'm putting Justin Fields above him just because of talent and what I think he can be. Uh, then uh, probably... Yeah, it's pro- Trevor Lawrence is on top. And the craziest part about that is that, like, he has seven picks. He's not playing well, but he's the mm-hmm. best out of them, you know? Yeah. This whole Justin Herbert thing does not happen every year, you know? Yeah. Like, this is this is more custom to what we're, we're used to. And and I would say this, too. The, the situation Justin Herbert was in last year, you know, that was a team that went out and got Terod Taylor because they thought that they could be competitive with him. And we saw Terod Taylor do that with the Houston Texans through the first two weeks of the season, right? And now we're looking at Trevor Lawrence and we're saying, all right, Trevor Lawrence, you know, I'm not as turned off by the interceptions, not for the stupid old Peyton Manning had a million interceptions rookie year. I hate that argument, but Trevor Lawrence is making mistakes and that's okay. Cause you know what? You're going to make mistakes as a rookie quarterback. Are you also doing things that are giving you confidence in that? And we saw the, you know, through the first half of that game against a, a team that we all think is pretty good in Arizona we saw the Jacksonville Jaguars hang around a little bit and we saw some glimpses of what Trevor Lawrence could be. We also saw a horrible interception on a flea flicker that only was thrown 25 yards down the field because Justin or because Trevor Lawrence is throwing it off of his back foot. So I, uh, I, I would agree. I, and then look, Trey Lance is going to be the ultimate question mark here, right? Because we just don't really know. We've seen him come in some gadget style stuff. Yeah. I don't I even would, count that as ranking. We, I want to see him start a game before I think he enters the ranking, you know? But I don't think anyone's looked as bad as uh, as Zach Wilson has. And they went up against your Denver Broncos, Vito, who defensively they continue Woo-hoo! to look awesome. But they also number have one, had number one defense in the NFL. Easiest strength of schedule in, the, in, the, in the league. <laughs> and the the combined record for the teams that they've played are 0 and 9. That's right. So far. So them and Carolina both have had 32nd and 31st easiest schedules. And, you know, New Orleans, that win's looking better. You know, they obviously beat Green Bay week one, but that's kind of seems like it might be a little bit of a fluky win. But then they go in and they beat New England. So, you know, Denver and Carolina are the two teams that are 3-0. But, you know, it's kind of like, let's see. Let's see when they start playing a little, you know, tougher competition. But, hey, in the NFL, a win is a win. And the Denver Broncos, they got some things moving. Also, I want to say I did point out, 
going into the game that I thought not only would Denver win, but I thought it would be the Javante Williams breakout game. And we definitely saw a little bit of that on Sunday as well. Yeah. And, and it was just a you know, full team win. When you shut somebody out, it's special in the NFL. Um, it's very special. So just to get one was, was pretty awesome. Our whole defense got game balls, but I think the under, um, I guess lying, lying point here is that Teddy Bridgewater is fifth in the NFL in terms of quarterback rating right now. And above him is Tyrod Taylor. Who's out. So, you know, as, as things move on, Tyrod Taylor has a 122.9 rating, which is hilarious because they'll probably hold there until he's back. But the point is, I think it goes back to that efficiency standpoint and Teddy Bridgewater is doing a great job. Um, I'm very excited about, you know, what he's doing. He has zero picks on the year. Um, three wins. What else do you want? So uh, as a Broncos fan, couldn't be happier. Sucks. KJ went down, torn ACL, they announced. So he's out yeah. for the year. Um, sucks to see is both a Broncos and, and Penn state fan, but um, either way, got, got the shutout. So love it. The, the, the one other game by a rookie quarterback, cause that was just an absolute blowout. Now in the Jacksonville game, the score makes it look closer than it was. Like it was close at half. But let me tell you right now, was winning. Oh, that's right. They went up. The only reason that that happened was because of Matt Prater's fifth 68 yard attempt, which by the way, I still stand by this. It would have gone in from 66. We could have seen two 66 yard kicks yesterday. The record's 64. So it would have been wild, but it was a 68 yarder goes short and uh, a new for Jacksonville just runs it back to the house. Jamal Agnew. um, Yeah. And it was absolutely incredible. Uh, the blocking was was perfect. It was great blocking the whole way down. And it was one of those moments where you're like, what's the live spread? I'm betting on Arizona. Because Jacksonville was up. No thanks to like their offense. It was one crazy play. And without a doubt, the Cardinals come back and just take it. Like that, that game itself was one of the most boring I've seen Kyler Murray play in, in my life. <laughs> I mean, Jacksonville was up 19 to 10 with three minutes and 33 seconds left in the third quarter. Yeah. And, and I'm telling you right now, like I bet I lie about the Cardinals. I think this was like a no brainer. It was like, you know, it was going to happen. Yeah. And that's, that was smart. That's smart gambling right there. That's uh that's very smart gambling. You know, that play was unbelievable. It was uh, on Jamal Agnew. What an unbelievable return. 109 uh, yards. Alabama fans everywhere got PTSD. Yes. And uh, curled up into a ball. We're, we're a little bit worried from that, but yeah, the Cardinals, you know, the more we watch this Cardinals team, and I don't know if it's a Cliff Kingsbury thing, I don't know if it's a Kyler Murray thing, but the more I watch them, the more concerned I, I just get about them in the long in the long run. You know, like why why are you down nine to Jacksonville with three minutes left in the third quarter? You know, like and yeah, great, well, I know, but great comeback. By 10, yeah. You know, you figure out a way, one of which being, you know, the there's an interception return for a touchdown, which helps. But mm-hmm. Arizona should be putting this should be putting teams like Jacksonville away with this offense. What we've seen from them, but let's take a look at the box score from this game because AJ Green, you know, that was one of those those things where like I don't know, maybe AJ Green's got a little bit left in the tank, right? <laughs> they just have so many guys that terrify you. AJ Green, Christian Kirk, both over a hundred yards. Chase Edmonds out of the backfield, seven catches for 49 yards. Uh, and then, you know, a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, we've talked about before, most dangerous 
return or dangerous wide receiver in all of football, arguably, you know, just a casual, like six targets, three catches, 21 yards. They didn't even need him to be great to still end up winning the game at the end of it. Did you guys catch this though? By the way, there was one funny side play that happened in this game. Rondell Moore is going back to return a punt and he muffed it. And everyone was like, you know, Oh man, you know, rookie back there, muffs the punt, whatever. What had happened was there was a flag that got thrown into the play because of, uh, I think the gunner got held on, on the punt team. The flag hit the ball about two feet above Rondale Moore. No way. And it changed the direction of the ball and he ends up dropping it. Go, go look up the video. It's, it's crazy. crazy. I'm watching it right now. Wow. Yeah, that's the, that's wild. The odds of that. The refs <laughs> that's flag like, actually created the the muffs punt. The 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 one random NFL fact. It's about time for a random NFL history fact. I'll throw it out there. Not so nice in player safety, but um, there was a time I believe in the fifties, uh, NFL referee was going to throw his flag, and someone turned around, hit him in the eye. Yes. Very, very dangerous situation. Uh, it crazy. The guy went blind in the eye. I was gonna eye. say it like, blinded him, yeah. didn't it? Yeah, oh my yeah. God. So, so you know, those uh, those flags, man, they can be dangerous too, but they, um, they crazy, are dangerous. crazy time. Uh, other rookie quarterbacks in, in terms of the games, yeah, Justin Fields, rough day, yeah, man, I mean, tough day. I mean, four and a half sacks from Miles Garrett. <laughs> that dude's a mo- I mean, I love Jason Peters, but like, dude, what are you doing, man? 40 years old. He's, he was bad the last two years in Philly. I mean, the bear, like I get it. If they're calling, you want to keep playing, doing whatever you want to keep it going, go, go get the money. I, I but like, Oh, miles Garrett. I just had him as bag. Another two sacks for Jadavian Clowney. That's a rough first career start for, for Justin Fields, but dude, Justin Tucker's kick had more yards on it than the bears offense. Yeah. <laughs> Now, so. I, I did see that, but that's because the NFL does that stupid thing where an interceptions count as negative yards for your total offense. So however many yards, like if it's a 100-yard interception return, then you would lose 100 yards of offense there, which is yeah, just a really be dumb better. thing. But, yes, that I did see that stack going around. It is, it is very funny. Uh, but I, I do want to point out here for the Browns, you know, the Bears are a good defense. Browns are the Bears have a very good defensive team, despite the fact that they were you know offensively inept in this game. And the Browns were able to push them around however they want. I think they have two of the top 10 most talented running backs in the same backfield. I mean, how quickly people forget what Kareem Hunt did when he was in Kansas City, where everything that happened to him. And because he kind of plays the maybe a little bit sidekick, I mean, their their touches are are pretty much 50-50. They go a little little bit chub leaning i just i think the browns are even more real than i thought they were because their defense finally looked like hey you know what we clicked and they were damn close to beating kansas city in week one this browns team could be three and oh pretty comfortably and they just looked dominant on sunday they really did obj looked great coming back just and it wasn't even on big plays it was like running a post and just settling in the right place in his zone and getting a catch like they just missed that experienced obj skill set i mean jarvis has it too but it's just different um yeah he looked great uh i I think this overall team like with with what you said ran the ball well they found some plays you know austin hooper for a touchdown um 
a, a couple, you know, points moving the ball there. High completion percentage for Baker. I mean, he he's one of the guys when you actually, you know, look at completion percentage. He's number five in the NFL. They it's because, like you're saying, you alluded to this earlier in the inverse, but like when you don't throw that much and you run the ball really well, you're gonna complete a high percent of, of your like passes. And mm-hmm. that's what the Browns have found is their formula. You talk about an identity. This team has an identity. Their defense went bonkers on on Justin Fields. And uh man, that was a absolute blowout of a game. I I don't know how you guys feel. I know you have some Oklahoma love in your heart there, uh, Vito, and maybe just oh, beating yeah. Ohio State in the horseshoe uh, has allowed you both to be big Baker Mayfield guys. But I really enjoy watching Baker play. You know, he's not oh, yeah. going to be – he's not the flashiest. It's And the thing with Baker was always like if he ever gets full command of an NFL offense that he feels comfortable in, distributing the ball, getting it out quick to receivers on time, while also knowing that you kind of need the running game and the good defense to really be a, you know, a a championship level team, you know, Baker does that to such a, a, a high level. Like he, he really does. And he still drops in a couple of really impressive throws. I just, I, I really, really enjoy watching this team. I enjoy Baker. He's not the bratty little kid. You know, people always wanted to make the lazy comp when he was in college to Johnny Manziel. And I, I always thought, football mattered more to Baker than that. You know, yes. Does he do some stupid shit? Like, you know, grabbing his nuts uh, when shaking the hand, you know, on the sidelines against Kansas. Right. Does he do stupid stuff like that when he was in college? Sure. But I, I defy anybody on the, on this pod or listening to this pod to tell me that you didn't do stupid shit when you were in college, that you wish you would have taken back to. And I, I see a mature Baker and I just, I love this Browns team. I just do. And I love Kevin Stefanski. And I think the Browns are going to continue to, to shred it up because I mean, OBJ in his first game back with, you know, seven catches going for 70 yards or five catch 70 yards, whatever it was. That's a good day, man. And coming off of an injury like that, I mean, his ankle was going backwards last year and, and he looked good. You're right. He, he looked really good. Uh, I think that's it for the rookie quarterbacks. I mean, new England and, and uh, new Orleans, Jameis, you're Jameis, the most Jameis touchdown pass of all time. It was so funny. If you didn't see it, Jameis is getting tackled, throws it to a covered wide receiver who leaps up and makes an incredible play. Uh, and he, Jameis trots back to the sideline. Sean Payton's just sitting there like smirking, but pissed. Like, God damn it. You definitely should not have thrown that ball, but like nice touchdown. And like, I think that's probably going to win us this game against Bill Belichick. How the hell did we do this? Yeah. Like that, that was kind of the smirk. So um, hey man, Jameis, uh, you know, one to know against Belichick as a Saints starter. It's pretty impressive. How about this too? <laughs> Three games in and the Patriots are 0 and 2 in Foxborough. Wow. Hmm. That's a rarity. Right? Yeah. Uh, Jameis in the pocket. I was thinking about this today because no one looks as goofy as he does. And I, I remember like, remember when you were a kid and you'd be like out throwing passes with your buddies in the backyard. And you would watch NFL quarterbacks kind of like, you know, do that thing where they're kind of on the balls of their feet, kind of like bouncing up and down a little bit. Like, you know, Jameis does that. And like when you're a kid and you're doing it, you over-exaggerate it. You're like almost jumping up and down because you're just mimicking what you see on the TV. Jameis does that, but in the NFL. (laughs) Jameis, I'm I'm convinced that Jameis doesn't realize like, hey, dude, you don't have to be that bouncy, right? You're not Tigger. Okay, this isn't this isn't Winnie the Pooh. You know, you don't have to be jumping around like this. 
And he does this little hop, you know, kind of hopping around. And it reminds me of like, you ever see a dog, you know, when they get excited to see you, they do like the little feet pat, you know, like right in the choo, 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 choo. You're kind of yeah. doing like one of those. Like that's Jameis in the pocket. And yet <laughs> he's been making good decisions and they just beat the Patriots. And, you know, what we just saw, Zach, you know, for all the people who think, man, like Jameis isn't a smart quarterback because he says dumb shit, you know, Look at what he was able to process going up against the same defense that made a rookie quarterback look as bad as I've seen a quarterback look in the NFL. Right. Mm -hmm. And and it's, it just goes into that respect. Like I know we like to joke about Jameis and it's very fun and I do it all the time and we'll continue to do so, but we should give him credit and realize like, look, 28 points. I know they had the Malcolm Jenkins pick six and all two, but Jameis played pretty well, but he's, they're just, they're not letting him sling it. And I kind of love it. And I'm waiting for the game when they need him to sling it and they need him to throw for 350 yards. Cause I, that to me is going to be like, all right, is this the same Jameis that we've seen before? Or this is, is this an actually like improved Jameis Winston? Cause there's going to be a shootout at some point for them. And, and uh, I'm excited to watch it. Pats on the other hand, they're in some trouble. And I don't know if you guys know this, but they got kind of a big game coming up this Sunday night. Oh yeah. Oh like, baby. Have you guys ever remembered a, re- a week four a regular season game that had its own commercial because of an off-the-field storyline between everything? There, there were commercials going all day yesterday of Tom making his return to Foxborough. Oh, the way they were hyping it up on, uh, on the game last night, on the NBC game, it was insane. Mm-hmm. It was like a whole movie trailer. It was like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> It, I swear I've never it's gonna seen be a, a blowout, but all right. Yeah. <laughs> How yeah. about the fact that it's gonna be? This is this is crazy to think about. Um, you're gonna have Tom Brady coming off a loss and Bill Belichick coming off a loss playing each other again. They don't lose twice in a row often, but I can't actually believe that. Number one, this is the first time Tom's playing Bill's defense for us all to see. Like they've played each other in practice. They've schemed, they know each other. And I cannot wait to see what happens here. Like I wouldn't be surprised if Bill Belichick has, I mean, I know other people call the plays and scheme and everything, but he's, I mean, involved in, in every game plan. Why he's so unique. He changes his, his game plan on offense and defense every week. That was his whole deal. Like it's, it's catered to your enemy and pointing out their weaknesses instead of just doing what you think is like your team's identity. It's, it's a little unique. And so I'm excited to see what Tom adjusts with him and Gronk and how, how, like, what is Belichick going to do to take Gronk away? Like in the end, in the red zone, like, it's going to be so fun to see this stuff and to see these guys interact. Cause I guarantee you though, at some point, if it gets tight, I would love to see when like Bill throws a challenge flag or is out arguing a penalty and Tom gets in his fit. Like, I think those two could end up with like a low key, uh, like a personal foul thrown in between them just because they argue with each other all the damn time for 20 years. Yeah. Like I could see something happening think, in this game. Do we think they've seen each other? Like, do you think they've had like yeah. a sit like at some point since the the departure? I think they've probably seen each other. I don't but like think with they've COVID had... and everything. That's a really good point. Like, there's not as many off season, you know, coaching. The NFL 100 list was before he left. You know, like they may not have. They may not. This might be the first time they're in the same building again since Tom left. I know they, I don't, I don't think they've talked. I don't think they've spoken since. So yeah, maybe, maybe we do see a little tempers flare. We'll get, we'll get into, 
we'll get into the background. I will say right now, I checked it earlier. Tampa Bay is a five and a half point favorite. I would be hammering Tampa Bay and don't Same. overthink it because what you did veto was my first thought too. was like, yeah, but what if Bill has a little wrinkle that we're not thinking about? I think you hammer the, that five and a half, especially Tampa Bay coming off of a loss uh, uh, out in the West coast last week. Uh, mm-hmm. The only other games we have left here, uh, Colts, Titans, Carson Wentz. Thank you for going out and playing those snaps. I appreciate it as an Eagles fan, <laughs> but Oh my God, dude, you, he honestly, I was going to get into this when we talk about the random life stuff at the end. I have not been able to like flex my calves the last two days because of the amount that I was like running around on the beach and stuff. And I felt like watching Carson Wentz yesterday. Like I was like, I got, Oh, I get it, bro. Like I, I, I'm you and me. We're the same. We're the same vote. We're the same dude. I feel you. I feel you right now. You're, you can't have tr- you know, trouble moving around. This looks like it's going to be Tennessee's uh, division to lose. Jacksonville's obviously out. Houston's obviously out. And now, the Colts starting off 0-3, not a whole lot to, to look positive for no. for the Colts. And, uh, you know, Derrick Henry, another good day from him. Maybe maybe, maybe right now. Maybe we get to those 2,000 yards again. That'd be, uh, that'd be fun to watch Derrick Henry clip 2,000 yards. Wouldn't, wouldn't hate watching Derrick Henry run train on everybody. Uh, Falcons, Giants, your boy, Young Hoku. Yeah. Young Waku, I should say. Got to pronounce his name correctly, even though it's so funny to say it wrong. Uh, that was a, a, a game. Look, the Giants are just bad. All of this, Joe Judge making the coaches run laps. So it turns out the NFL coaches and players don't really like to run laps. I think this this team's in a world of hurt. I think we come out of this season and, and they are clean in house. I think Gettleman's gone. I think there's a chance Joe Judge saves his job because it, it does seem like the Mara family really likes him. But that would be back-to-back coaches that they fired quickly if they go Joe Judge after two years after uh, yeah. Ben McAdoo for the, the couple of years they had him there as well. And the Falcons, I mean, look, good for them, I guess. Arthur Smith, first win. I, I don't really have much else to throw in about this game. Either you guys got anything? Saquon back in the end zone. Saquon finally found the end zone again for the first time That's in good. like he did. almost two years. So. He did. That was no. nice to see, actually. I'm good on that game. The The only other thing I want to throw about Sunday was that Bengals Steelers. And that's our Joe last Burrow. game. Yeah. I, I think this whole thing, it was great. I had Jamar chase in some leagues and just seeing the, the weapons on this Bengals offense. Cause it wasn't just that if you didn't, if you didn't see Tyler Boyd's touchdown catch, you, you owe yourself to go check it out. Mm-hmm. He catches it, runs into a defender, changes directions completely and sprints off past everybody. Like they have some damn weapons on this team. Joe Mixon's running the ball hard as all hell. This is a, a, a pretty solid offense here in the Bengals, and the defense is looking better each week. Uh, it was nice to see a beatdown on the Steelers. I, I feel like they're they're starting to get all these years and years of payback. It's like, you know, Tom leaves New England. Every divisional team's like, can't wait. Same with Ben kind of slowing down the end of his career. All these other teams are like, let's, let's go. We're going to yeah. hang up. And I think definitively, we talked about this before the season, we were doing our preview. You know, where if you if you were ranking the four quarterbacks in the AFC North, I, I, unquestionably now we said to God, I don't know if I would put Ben fourth right now. No, Ben is fourth. Ben looks bad. Yeah. And all the Steelers fans are going after the Mina Kimes of the world saying, oh, this this lady doesn't know anything about football when she's criticizing Big <laughs> Ben because she was very vocal about not being a fan of Big Ben. Uh, yeah, there's a reason for that. Big Ben looks terrible. The offensive line looks terrible. The wide receiver room has been banged up. The defense without Harris looks good. That is the one bright spot. 
But, you know, Scotty, you and I had this conversation just a couple weeks ago. You know, do you want to pay $120 million to a defensive star? What happens when he's not in the lineup? Well, we're seeing that the Steelers defense has taken a considerable drop from beating Buffalo in week one. And, oh, my God, T.J. Watt's worth every penny to, man, the Steelers could be really bad this year. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, no. <laughs> good good for the Bengals. It makes me happy seeing Joe Burrow. And I actually lied. We did one last game. Uh, Minnesota and Seattle. Kirk uh, Cousins. Uh, great. This is the classic Kirk Cousins game, man, where it's just like, no, look, he is good. They just beat Seattle, yeah. <laughs> you know. But what's crazy with the Vikings is they're literally two plays, two specific plays away from being 3-0 and right now. Mm. One made kick. That's all. It's unbelievable. The, again, the, the difference between winning and losing in the NFL. Looks like the Vikings have kind of rebounded a little bit, but they also did this without Dalvin Cook. And what we're seeing, too, is Seattle. They blow that lead against Cannot Tennessee stop last the week. The defense is looking more like the defense we've seen for the last couple of years, as opposed to the Legion of Boom, which has been gone for a long time. And the offense does not look like anybody's on the same page. Uh, I hope Tyler Lockett's all right. He's one of our favorite players. We're all big Tyler Lockett fans here. So it sucks seeing him go down. So I hope he ends up being okay. But uh, two teams that, I mean, Seattle and Minnesota are, are the Spider-Man meme you know, just pointing at each yeah. other because at this point it's just how can we find ways to lose this game? And, and both teams are, are trying full, full, full speed to do that. So uh, that's our, our week three kind of takeaways here. Anything that you boys felt we were really wrong on last week, you know, for the most part, uh, Vito and I, we did our picks. Vito and I crushed it this week with our picks. Uh, Sucks. 13 and seven, both of us against the spread between college and NFL. We still have the Eagles and Dallas game tonight. I have Dallas covering the four and uh, Vito has Philly covering the four. Scotty, since you weren't there and the game hasn't kicked off, it kicks off in about an hour and a half here. Give us uh, give us your pick right now. Eagles versus Dallas for uh, four point. Dallas is the home favorite. Four points. Uh, I take Dallas to cover Philly outright. Wait, you mean Wait. the other way, other way around? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, yes, thank you. Did it again. <laughs> Philly to cover, Dallas wins yes. by by a field goal. And and look, yes, we talked about this on Friday, Vito. Right, the, that four point line, that Miami and Las Vegas game. That's the yeah. only reason I covered because it was right going into it. Vegas was a four point favorite. So sometimes those betting rules, when you see a number that's just a little bit off, and you're like, I don't really know if I fully think Miami can do it. Getting that extra point, because anything can come down to a field goal in the NFL, getting that one extra point in a line can actually be the difference between covering the spread, you know, and uh, and and not. And it turns out there. I also have Dallas covering the spread. And uh, Vito, you like the birds outright. So as a fan, I hope you're right. But we seeing as we're tied right now and we're going to see who ends up, you know, kind of coming out at the end of this. It'll be great. So far on the season, uh, I am back to 500. 34 and 34 after a terrible week two in the NFL back to 500, 34 and 34. Scotty's also 500 at 24 and 24 and our boy Vito four games above 500, 26 and 22 against the spread uh, in college football and the NFL. We're going to take a quick break, come back, talk a little bit about the college football this weekend. And then we're going to get into our random life shit to uh, wrap up the pot. College football implodes. One of my favorite sentences in all of the English language, because 
college football is great for this, right? College football, you, you'll think you know, you'll think a matchup sucks, you'll think it's this, but in reality, there are so many players in college football, right? Like thousands of players are in college football, people we don't even know about, people like myself who work in it every single day. Like I don't know so many people out there. I'm always learning every single day, which is part of what makes it an amazing sport. And it's also why people get so defensive over their conferences and everything else. Well, this weekend, we had a lot of not necessarily like crazy upsets or crazy games kind of changing. But what we saw was that a lot of there was a lot of confirmation, I think, so far about what we've seen through the first three weeks. And week four has cemented a good amount of that. Um, The five games we picked last week, Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Wisconsin's a six and a half point favorite. They get blown out by like almost 30 against Notre Dame in that uh, game at Soldier Field. Rutgers and Michigan, Michigan's a 20 point favorite. That game ends up being a one possession game down the stretch. We see a team like Baylor when a, a Baylor's four and oh, you know, Dave Aranda has that team looking great. They knock off Iowa State, a team that a lot of people thought going into it is like, oh, Iowa State, they have all returning guys. They should be a really good team, should be a top 25 team, or, and at the very least, or at most, highest ceiling. We thought that they could be in the college football playoff conversation. They're now out of the top 25 entirely. Uh, what else do we have? West Virginia, Oklahoma. Again, another another team in Oklahoma that's looked a little rough at certain points. And again, playing, I believe, a good West Virginia team slowed them down. And uh, and then we had Texas a and in Arkansas, right? This SEC matchup, Arkansas is a kind of happy story that we everyone's rooting for Arkansas. And here they go. And they actually do the thing. And they got a huge test coming up this weekend. Both Bama and Georgia have big tests this weekend. Uh, Georgia's playing Arkansas and we have Alabama taking on Ole Miss. So there's a lot going on here. The main reason I wanted to kind of talk. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say any SMU game that we picked. Where yeah, well, SMU... yeah, any SMU game. Yes. Yes. Your boys, uh, your boys did good. Or I guess our boy, friend of the pod, Grant Calcaterra. Grant, I mean, what a game just to, to beat TCU outright, remain undefeated. Um, definitely underdogs. I forget what they were. What was the spread? Like 10? I mean, it, was it was 10. Yeah. Yeah. So to go in a double, do- a double point dog and, and get a victory, it's just sick. And especially to pick the win. So I was stoked on that, but in general, and I think that kind of is that mold of like TCU definitely probably in, in recent history would have won. And it's a little surprising. Right. And I think that's kind of where you're going with a lot of these where like Rutgers were used to getting blown out by Michigan. They kept it really close. Shiana's doing a good job. Um, some of these other ones, it's just they're a lot closer games. Um, the Oklahoma one, I mean, I can't remember the last time I've seen Oklahoma score 16 points. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's just wild for me to even see that score. Um, in general, I do think there's a pretty big shakeup this year in terms of talent where it's at. Now the Arkansas AM game, that was awesome to see in Jerry World. Like that, that's just got to be so special. But this is why uh you know, it gets a little crazy because like you're saying, they got to go play in Georgia next week. Like awesome. Great job in this emotional, big upset. Now go play Georgia, <laughs> you know? And yeah, that's a reward. Mean, go run to the best defense in the country. But that's also what makes, you know, college football, college football. And it's also why people will defend the sec as hard as they will. And, and I'd make the argument too, that I think, the big 10 has as much of that this year as anybody. I mean, you look all at the top five right now, you got Penn state and Iowa number four, and number five in the AP poll. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that matchup's coming. Was it two weeks from now? 
I believe so. Two, two weeks. weeks from now. I mean, that, that game is yep. going to decide so much of how the, the rest of the season kind of rolls out. I thought it would be fun now that we've seen, you know, hey, Ohio State, CJ Stroud's a little banged up, so we don't, we're not sure what we're going to see from Ohio State in the near future as well. That game against Penn State and others, others that they got to play, that one's coming around the corner here soon. I think we, I think we're all in agreement. Like of the, you know, the top four right now, at least again, this is AP, not College Football Playoff rankings, but it's Alabama, Georgia, Oregon, Penn State. Those are your top four. I feel pretty good about Bama and Georgia both being there come season's end, but a lot can happen between then and out, then and now. But I do think, and, and Vito, you said this on Friday we're going to see at least two new teams, regardless of how it shakes out. I think we're going to see two teams that we either haven't seen in a long time in the college football playoff, like Oregon, or a team like Penn State or Iowa, and you know, uh, maybe Cincinnati, not likely, but we're going to see another team that we're not used to seeing. So I want you guys to pick right now. I know I'm putting you on the spot, but who are the two new teams that you think, A, I'll ask it two parts. A, the two teams that you think, are going to make it, but the two teams that you want to see there. That's easy because it's the same from Penn State and Oregon and Penn State. Yeah, that's exactly what I want to see. That's exactly who we're going to see. Um, I, I really do believe that we have a team that could do it now. Like gauntlet of the Big Ten East, let alone throw in Iowa because we have to play Ohio State, Michigan. We, we've got a lot of top Wisconsin teams. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what you're asking for is for us to have four wins against top 15 teams three of which would be on the road yeah yeah and that's what it takes i mean that's i, I think i'm i'm okay asking that of this team and and things will fluctuate it always does we think we're gonna play all these great teams look at wisconsin they've lost twice now they're unranked so it's 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 a little tough when you start thinking about it at the end but like we'll see how michigan ends up i think that they're not as good as everyone thinks they are so at the end of the day i, I think this will be we'll have a couple quality wins the other one that I'm like kind of looking at is UCLA still has a really good shot of, mm-hmm. of making some, some noise down there. So um, be careful. That's my, that's my dark horse. UCLA has a, as a chance to uh, avenge that Fresno state loss. Now look, Fresno state's in the top 25. So talking about group yep. of five losses that are good. That's a good group of five loss to have if you're going to have one, but they got to basically beat Oregon twice. They'll have to beat Oregon the regular season, and then they'd have to beat them again in the Pac-12 championship. And then, obviously, you know, went out the rest of the way. It's a tall order, but it's not impossible. Because I think what we're going to see is I think we might see a two-loss team get in. But even more so than that, guys, the team I'm looking at, A, I think the number one team I want to see make it is I want to see Cincinnati. Oh yeah, you're right. I would Cinc- love to see the uh, group. Actually, Cinc- I want Coastal, but go ahead with Cincinnati. Well, Cincinnati, because Coastal has no shot. No, they don't. No shot. Cincinnati actually has the resume at the will have the resume at the end of the season if they go undefeated and win. They beat the Big Notre 12, Dame this weekend. Right? I mean, that's huge. They they would beat Notre Dame this weekend. Uh, they would be beating. I mean, they already beat Indiana, which isn't like an amazing loss because it doesn't look like Indiana's all that you know, as good as we thought they could be, but it's look, it's still a power five win against a, a, a good coach and a team that has talent on it. They were, they opened the season at number seven in the poll, got dropped down to eight. And now they're back up to seven because teams in front of them lose. So 
if Penn State and Iowa both drop a regular season game, which I think is possible, very possible, even if well, they do one of them is going to have to. <laughs> I think Oklahoma's set up for a, a postseason loss, a regular season loss. Then Cincinnati's basically going to be in control of their own fate, and it's happening way quicker than we've ever seen. Now, the College Football Playoff Committee traditionally does not like to, you know, put group of five teams ranked that high in their first poll because they know that they need justification for moving them down. If all they do is keep winning, it's going to get harder and harder for them to adjust. So I'd put Cincinnati as a team I want to be there. And look, say what you will. I know I play the heel. I would love to see Penn State make the college football playoff. I think it would be great for the sport. Would you? (laughs) <laughs> I, 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 genuinely, yeah. I genuinely would. Uh, in terms of teams with the talent that I think could actually make some noise up there, I think Florida is a team to watch out. If they were to beat Georgia yeah. and then beat Alabama in the SEC championship game, again, big ifs, but if that were to happen and seeing the way that Florida came back in that game against them before would be great. I would love to see Ole Miss make a run and get, get in conversations yeah. up near the top there. Matt Corral right now. Go ahead. It's great. No, just a Matt Corral right now. That offense looks great. And they have a huge test this weekend against Alabama. I don't think anybody outside of the top 15 right now. uh, I think I should say it this way. Everyone that's in the top 15 in the AP poll right now, I think is still like a legitimate shot at making the four. Yeah. Like a legitimate chance. I think BYU would be tough, but BYU outside of BYU. Okay. But BYU also has a ton of, big wins they're just again based off the group of five thing but they're also playing like five pac 12 teams this year so you know they'd be five if they won all their games it'd be five and oh against the pac 12 and i, and I mean this would, is the year to do that too yeah you and you would have to respect them at that point it's uh when you really look at it from from two down it really just feels like it could be and it really could be anyone and I think 15 is a good number because I think, you know, it's not likely, but I do think BYU does have a chance still. But even below that, like you said, UCLA, Oklahoma State's undefeated. Uh, Michigan State's undefeated. Baylor's undefeated. Uh, you know, not saying it's likely, but NC State, you know, if they go into, I mean, Wake Forest is undefeated. So, well, yeah, somebody's going to have to come out of that ACC. <laughs> yeah. And depending on how good they look doing so, you know, they, they might be in the conversation and definitely would be in for, for New Year's Six. So very uh, interesting stuff. Let's wrap up the pod in uh, our tradition now. So we, we talked about it a little bit up at the top of the um, top of the pod about uh, uh, both of us kind of we, we switched roles a little bit. Our, our, re- our resident traveler was staying at home. And Scotty and I took over and we said, hey, boys, we're 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 getting our time to go be uh go get a little crazy. And uh and look, we we did a bunch of stuff. So Scotty, you were out in Denver and you I saw was, yeah. you saw your Giants beat I the did. Rockies. Baseball, yeah. Magic number is down to what? Two? How many it more? It's five. The magic number is five. Um we swept the uh we swept the Rockies in that weekend series. The Dodgers won two out of three, but um, so it dropped, uh, dropped the magic number down to five. We still have to play, uh, I believe the Padres once and, um, I forget who the series is this week actually. Um, but yeah, we still have to play the Padres. Padres are playing the Dodgers Monday, uh, starting, uh, I believe tomorrow. So, uh, go Padres. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say you're, you're pushing hard for the, uh, <laughs> that's right. The pods. You're just a big they still pod got a guy. shot. 
Yeah, big pod guy. Um, um, no, it, Denver was amazing though, man. I was gonna awesome say outside of the, to... outside of the baseball, like what was your like what did your weekend kind of look like? So we went to uh, I was out there. My brother in law lives out there um, now. He he works at uh, University of Colorado um, in Boulder. Boulder lives in the city. Yeah. Um, so we just you know a lot of drinking. Great craft beer city. Um, we went to uh, we were supposed to go to Rocky Mountain. Uh, national park but we did that tour got canceled we ended up doing a, a red rocks uh tour um nice. and then we went to uh to mount lookout um which is just uh, a few minutes away and then back down the hill to um to uh golden colorado which is a neat little uh town uh very old westerny the home uh, of Coors uh brewing i believe right it is yeah so i went to the oldest saloon in uh in golden which opened in 1858 i believe Jeez. um and so yeah, a lot of fun. Did that. Went to the ball game. Uh, just kind of explored the city a little bit. Uh, you know, the touristy stuff. Larimer Square, Union Station, um, 16th Street. Um, caught some of the Penn State game at a bar. That was a, a turned out to be a University of Texas bar. I don't know how that happened, but uh, <laughs> we found a seat right at the end of the bar, and the TV right in front of us had the Penn State game on, so I got to watch oh. that. Um, yep, and and just kind of hung out with uh, with. Uh, my brother-in-law and uh, and my my wife and my in-laws were there with us, so it was a good time. Good man, it's amazing. I'm I'm so bad at this, and I'm amazed that you just did this. You just rattled off like the name of like specific streets and like places you went. Like when I go somewhere, I'm just like, oh, you know, like the place that it's like kind of like downtown-ish. It's got like everyone around there knows it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like like I'm so, so bad. It's the difference between. It's the difference between being a city kid and a suburb kid. That's all it is. Oh, You're good. Okay. Okay. I was going to say, I, I'm, I'm crazy about knowing where North and South, like I know directions. I will look at a map before I get to a city for hours just to learn where everything is. Like I'm way too into it. So when yeah. I go to a new place, I'm like, no, 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 that's, we just gotta go Southwest right over here. And I piss everybody off. Cause they're like, where, what are you talking about? Like uh, apparently not enough people are learning their cardinal directions when they get to a new city. But I'm fairly, I'm the only one. Well, I have a very good, like, natural sense of direction where it's like, oh, where do we park our car? And then you go and walk a couple yes. miles, go to wherever. And I'm like, oh, I know exactly where it's like. But if you're asking, like, oh, we went to this place and then that place and then we were on this street and that kind of stuff, I'm like, no, I just kind of know where it is. I don't know <laughs> what it's called. I, I'd be terrible trying to help you. I do the same thing in DC. Like, I've lived here for three and a half years. And I still like, I'm always like, oh, all right, this is used to you. Like, I recognize this area. This is used. To, yeah. Okay. There, you know, and it's like yeah. the mental map just kind of grows the more, uh, the more things go, but that's good, Scotty. I'm glad, I'm glad you're good weekend, man. I hear the Denver airport's kind of crazy too. I hear it's got some, uh, it's got some the airport is, Oh yeah. It's the worst part about that city. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. But there's like legend, horrible. And they're doing the, construction on it now. There's like it's legend behind it. That's apparently like haunted or something. Yeah. Uh, that's probably a different pod. I probably need to do a little more research before I can can share. But I've heard I've heard some. Do you know anything about that, Vito? You seem like a guy who would who would know some of the haunting haunted airports in America. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely uh, what what one of the, like that's the story. I don't know the whole story behind it. I've only flown in now there like a couple times, uh, but every time I learn it, and then I forget. So I'm, I'm pretty sure the guy who designed it died before it was done being built and some something along those lines yeah like he died like on site for it or something um but he was apparently a very famous like airport architect which is a very specific 
it is job title but, uh, um, but it's totally know. different yeah yeah it's like parking garage architects no one thinks you need them and then you're like why am i going up in two directions where is this it's like complicated and you're like yeah. oh that's right because it's a very <laughs> specialized skill and we should probably be more respectful of that um yeah not every engine i always love i have multiple engineers in my life and the assumption if you're an engineer and you can speak to this more than anybody definitely more than i can Vito. You know, but like these things like oh you're an engineer like how did you not like you, you know how to do it. It's like, no, I, I don't know how to do electric lighting. You know what I mean? He's like, no, I actually don't know how to do plumbing just because I'm an engineer. But like that assumption seems to exist for engineers more than any other like job, I think. Probably. But that's the thing. Like, luckily with architectural engineering, shout out Penn State, these programs are crazy because we learn electrical, mechanical, lighting, structural all of that and like other stuff, but it's all just buildings. That's why yeah. like everything else. I'm just getting into right. majors now. If you're going to college and want to go to AE, give me a call. There you go. Uh, my weekend was very different than yours, Scotty. Um, and that <laughs> my weekend, your, your weekend was this lovely trip to this beautiful place with your lovely wife and family, you know, and look, we're at different spots in our, in our life and our journey. And that's fine. Everyone's on their own pathway. Right. And, uh, and you go out to the Rockies and you guys had plenty of uh, drinks and everything. I'm sure while you're out there, whereas mine was, you know, and I explained it, the whole kind of backstory uh, earlier and on, a, on another pod, but you know, mine was, was getting a chance to be around people from a, a part of my life that I really didn't know the next time I would ever get a chance to really like be around and see each other again. And naturally, and, and I kept phrasing it, there's a great scene in how I met your mother uh, there's a whole episode about this and they called it uh, revertigo. When you're around people from your past, you just kind of naturally just like revert back to that version of yourself that you were. And of course, look, we were all, you know, older, more mature. We all have different things, different jobs, different lives you all do now. But yeah, I mean, being around a group of, you know, seven or eight of the people that you, you just absolutely love uh, and you get a chance to kind of go and, and, and do a whole reunion trip like that. Like, it's just a, it's just a special thing. And like you and a lot of your college friends, like at the Penn state crew and everything, like you guys are still pretty tight and get chances to see each other. And for the most part, most people are centrally located. Um, but you also have this kind of same thing with your friends out, like on the West coast, like you have your whole family out there, you have friends out on the West coast, like it's a different experience. So when you get the chance to do that, it, it really is like a, a special thing because Hey, we were, we got very drunk. <laughs> like that was like the main thing. Um, you know, we've, you know, I, I drove up the night before I had to go pick them up from Philly, crazy rainstorms in Philly on, on Thursday. And so my buddy, his, his flight and the two girls I was picking up from the, from the airport, their flights were all supposed to get in at 1239, like same time they were all, everyone was going to come in, but there was a mechanical issue on the, on the girls flight. So they, they got delayed by like 30 minutes. And then because of the rainstorms ended up getting delayed about four hours. Ooh. So <laughs> I end up going with my buddy who, you know, he, his flight came in 20 minutes early. I pick him up. We went to the original Chickies and Pete's in, uh, in South Philly. And we just sat there for four hours, had a couple beers. He had a lot more than I did because I was driving until the girls flights come in. But that immediate, like, man, just like nothing's changed. Nothing, you know, it's all the same awesomeness that it was. And uh, we get down there Thursday. It was just the four of us and the rest of the crew came down on Friday and, it was just a weekend, man. And I mean, you've, you've been to the Jersey shore before, like you've seen it, like when you're around there, man, in the fall, it gets, it can get a little chilly at night. You know, you maybe get like a nice beach day here or there, 
dude, we had like two of the best beach day weather wise that I think I've ever had on the Jersey shore. It was just 75 degrees, barely any wind, maybe a light breeze on the beach. And we just posted up, hung out, grilled up some food, drinking beers and, and mixed drinks and everything all day on the beach. And uh, shout out again to my parents because their spot's unbelievable. You know, we got Bayview out the back, beach view out the front. We're watching the sunset and getting up for the sunrise, man. We were, we were doing a little bit of everything, man. And that's, uh, that's all you can really ask for in those kinds of reunion situations, you know? Yeah, there's songs about it. <laughs> what's, your, what's your favorite reunion song? I don't know. I just know that there are songs about that. It sounded like a song when you were describing it. Well, it was, it was very... uh, it was a special weekend, man. I'm not going to lie. I gave yeah. a little speech. I gave a little speech on Friday night. Once everyone got in, sorry, we had friends who were working. They didn't get in until late on Friday night and did a little group shot with a speech. And, uh, and it was, uh, it was great, man. It's just, the one thing I walk away from this past weekend is just being incredibly grateful and, and thankful for, you know, the people you have in your life. And, uh, and, and, and uh, what, regardless of what happens and as time goes on, you're never all going to be as tight or as close or around the same people as you always were. But it's important that you make the time to go out and do that stuff because it, it really is amazing, man. It, it was, it was one of the most fun weekends I think I've ever had. Um, yeah. and, That's and, awesome in addition to filling up an entire recycling van full of empty beer cans and, and stuff. Yeah. Cans. What's the over under on drinks there? Um, I would, I, we well into triple digits. Well, <laughs> well into triple digits. <laughs> and, uh, well done. And I, I think that's probably a good, a good place to wrap things up. Uh, great pod, great stuff. We will preview week four in the NFL do a little college football game. We got some great college football games coming up this week. So uh, we'll get into some of that on Thursday's pod. Um, and uh, we got the Eagles game kicking off here in about an hour. So uh, go birds. Looking, looking for that. Go birds. Go birds. I'm not feeling great about it. Eagles don't typically do too well in, uh, in Jerry's world, but we'll see. We'll see. A win tonight would be, uh, would be a, a hell of a way to wrap up the weekend. So for Scotty, for Vito, I'm Jeff. Love you all. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with you uh, later on the week to preview the rest of the NFL week ahead. Until then, take it easy, everybody.